Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, you're very welcome back to uh, Tip Today, 1800 The Tip FM Sports Star of the Year Awards uh, taking place this evening at the Talbot Hotel in Clonmel. The presentation of monthly awards will be followed by the announcement of the overall 2023 winner, and the ceremony will be hosted by Paul Carroll and Ronan Quirk of this parish, with uh, winners receiving an engraved piece from John Quirk, Jewellers and John is always on board with us uh, here at Tip FM over many, many years indeed. Uh, Tip FM's Drive Time Show with Owen Lonergan will be broadcast from the hotel this afternoon. So keep an eye on our social media channels this evening for details of the Tip FM Sports Star of the Year Awards with the Talbot Hotel in Clonmel. And thanks to all our great friends there at uh, the Talbot, particularly Laura, who was always on board with the various uh, Tip FM projects over the years. So it should be a fantastic night indeed. All right, then it is time to meet Muriel Cuddy, CEO of Marito 8020, the clinic in Clonmel. Good morning to you, Muriel. Morning, How are Frank. you? Great. Um, we're, a lot of people were very interested in that piece last week with me getting my fingers sort of mangled by you. Yeah, uh, cut to do, open. To sliced, <laughs> sliced open he was. Yeah, seriously. Indeed, yeah. to do the sugar test and, and yeah. all. There was great interest in that, wasn't there? Was there was really great interest, you know, and I, like I, I was saying, I had even a couple of nurses said to me, you know, yes, it was funny and whatever, but the take-home message was there. And like, we spoke about it afterwards, like, you literally had seven or eight minutes for that Red Bull to take effect. To take effect, Like, yeah. if you had an hour... Like your blood sugars were definitely going to be at you know at fourteen or fifteen, and as it was, it went up from five point something up to what was it? Yeah, it eight, went up to eight, eight, 8. 4, 8. three or four. Yeah, 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 that's right. But like you didn't have the bar of chocolate with it. You didn't no. have anything else. You just literally had a small, a can, small can of, of Red, Red Bull. Bull. So you can imagine all day long if you're drip feeding, feeding carbohydrates into you, like everything will raise your blood sugars to some level. Like white bread, everything, mm. like even the normal what we call processed but, but somebody said to me afterwards well that's all fine and very well and that's very concerning that it went up but but what, what difference does it make? Yeah well if your blood sugars are going to be elevated continually well then your body's breaking down so then you're setting yourself up for chronic illness so if you're like that was your first lot of sugar for the day mm. so you your blood sugars were perfect when we started at five mm. that was good right and you had had a coffee earlier earlier mm, Just on, a coffee though I yeah, haven't eaten yeah, you yeah. Hadn't, you, But was there milk in the coffee Fran? No, no, no I Okay never so just black so that wasn't yeah. going to make any difference to it but if you were to have like things that are sugar related all day long well then you are continually feeding your body something that your body isn't able to run on so you're setting yourself up for chronic illness because your body you need to stabilise your blood sugars like at a decently low level balance them like mm. probably between for most people after a meal their sugars will go to 8, 9, 10 maybe depending on what they've eaten but then they regulate themselves and they come back down right. again So, but you can't have them like at the 14s or 15s all, all day time. All the time, yeah. And people wonder, like, even why they wake up during the night and then they have this intermittent sleep, etc. But, like, our blood sugars automatically spike uh, at about four o'clock in the morning. So if you've had sugar all day long and then they're going to spike, your body hasn't used it or burnt it, and they spike at four, you're going to wake and then you're going to have the intermittent sleep while the sugar is trying to be, you know, worked through your system. And you Mm. wake up in the morning banjax, don't you? So you're going to go through that horrific procedure with me again in a few weeks' time? We're going to do it monthly, uh, guys, right? Um, We'll test different things with you, uh, Fran, or whatever. Yeah. So we'll, we'll test different foodstuffs yeah, even. Okay. We might even do it the next time that we'll do it earlier. So we'll actually get a full 30 minutes Oh, yeah, that'll be great, yeah. yeah. But he's changed his diet, guys. So, like, 
Yeah. We're expecting his blood sugars. Am I looking guilty here? He's like looking, sideways out, yeah. outside of the No, tank. you see, I didn't eat this morning because I thought you might come in with all of your, your sort of... Oh, didn't you? Oh, sorry. So you haven't had any yeah. food today? No, okay. I haven't. No. Okay, so that's good. So, so you can it's eat okay. Next. I have a large Twix below on the desk. <laughs> Crossed wires. Anyway, you're going to talk to us about this. Is this comes up all the time in terms of mm. questions from listeners? The notion of IBD or IBS and all of that it, it, is this hugely important in terms of the people that come to see this you? This is massive. So there's about forty thousand people in Ireland with IBD, and there's probably about one in five that have IBS. But the symptoms of it cross over, and right. like it can present in other ways, and people think they have IBS. So IBS is irritable bowel syndrome. IBD is inflammatory bowel disorder, and there's a difference between both. Okay, okay, so and I, I literally want to do an education piece today. Okay. So I, I think this is really interesting and people come back to me all the time and say, Muriel, I learned from that. Mm. So that's the piece today. So the very beginning of this piece, and you can tell me if you've if, if, if you've known this before or not, Fran, but I want to literally work work through the digestive system first of all. Mm. So before we get down to where it's actually happening, because people okay. don't even know themselves when they have it, which part of the body it's even affecting. Mm. Okay. So just very quickly, the digestive system, it consists of a long tube that varies in size and its purpose, a size and purpose as it's wind its way through its, your body from your mouth to, to your anus. So it's literally from the mouth all the way down. Okay, and that's kind of your digestive tract. The upper part of the GI tract includes the mouth. So I talk about this all, all the time, right? Your throat, the esophagus and your stomach. So in the mouth, that's where the food and everything starts. So you chew mechanically and you break it down with the first saliva, which is with, with your first enzyme, which is saliva. Okay, after that, the digestive process process starts. So chewing and swallowing requires conscious effort but once the food reaches the esophagus an automatic rhythmic uh, motion which we call peristalsis takes over propelling the contents along. Okay, so you can imagine it's nearly like a machine down below and it's propelling everything on. If everything is going well, the passage of food from one area to the intestines to the next is precisely coordinated. So it stays in each area for just the right amount of time. Transit time is the duration between when you take a bite of your meal and when the leftover waste finally passes out as a stool or or as your poo. A meal could take anywhere from 12 to 72 hours to travel through the digestive tract. Each person is unique. A normal bowel movement pattern for one person could be completely different to anyone else, even in your family. So some individuals have very irregular patterns, never known when they're going to go. Other people know exactly. So the composition and quantity of dietary intake, the presence of a GI disease or disorder, which we're going to talk about today. So GI is your gastrointestinal tract, etc. And other factors influence transit time. So after that, then you're talking about your stomach. So following the esophagus, which is like at the left hand side of your abdominal cavity, is your stomach. And do you know your stomach is an organ? It's like a sac that holds about four litres uh, of food at any one time. So that's massive. Oh. So you're not supposed to eat until it's actually full, but that's what it does. Strong ke- chemicals break food down into smaller components while the stomach's thick walls keep these chemicals from entering the body as it squeezes its contents with strong circular and longitude muscles and then it moves on to the next piece. Okay, so that's literally mm. from the mouth all the way down where the food. So in the beginning, we have to make it work. Then the body starts making it work. When the body breaks down or different things happen, then we can get autoimmune illnesses or GI, GI inflammatory disorders. So then I'm going to go first with IBD. Yes. Okay, so you can ask me any questions mm. as we go. So what is IBD? So IBD is inflammatory bowel disease. Okay, and it's a term for two conditions. So you'll hear this a lot. Crohn's disease and ultra, ultra colitis. Okay, so it's called UC. 
it's chronic inflammation of the GI tract okay so this is like prolonged inflammation which damages the GI tract over time so this is a serious illness so what are the main types of IBD so I've said Crohn's disease and you see the ulcerative colitis mm-hmm. right and how is it affected so the, effect, the affected part in Crohn's disease is different okay it can affect any part of the GI tract from the mouth to the anus of the small intestine before the large so any part with Crohn's disease can be affected with ulcerative colitis it's different it occurs in the large um, intestine only and the rectum okay mm. so it's it's kind of lower down the damaged areas then so for Crohn's disease the damaged areas appear in patches that are next to areas of healthy tissue so you've got like spots or whatever um, but it's different than in UC so the UC it's in, the, the damaged areas are literally mm. uh, right through and what causes it? Oh, well, the causes, we'll get to them in two seconds, right? Okay. Because the information piece has to come first, right? right. The information can reach multiple layers uh, with Crohn's disease, but with, with the other, it's like literally in, in the lining, okay? So the symptoms, first of all, and we'll work our way down through it, okay? So the symptoms, if you have IBD, and like you have to really get tested to f- find out whether you have it or not. So persistent diarrhoea and, and even blood with your diarrhoea, abdominal pain, rectal bleeding and bloody stools, weight loss, fatigue, fever, um, uh, anemia, malnutrition, all of those. And then as you move on even on to the later stages of IBD, this will tell you how, how serious it is. Arthritis, skin problems, liver problems, kidney stones, wow. um, eye inflammation, all of that piece, Fran. So it's, it's serious enough. So the causes of IBD, and this I suppose is one of the areas that we really struggle with. The causes are unknown. Okay, so stress can exacerbate it and stress can cause it some in, in some instances, but we don't actually know, right? A weakened immune system or a malfunctioning immune system can cause it or the genetic, genetic piece can be there. So if there's a history of it in the family, mm. it can be there. The diagnosis, well, that has to come like through a few different things like endoscopy, colonoscopy, um, you know, it can be contrast radiograph. It, it, there's so many different things, stool samples, blood tests. But this is different like to say something like IBS because you actually have to go and get tested and all of that piece to figure out whether you have it or not. OK, mm-hmm. so then the treatment, the treatment for this again is different to IB, IBS because you've got to actually take meds for it. So there's certain specific meds or whatever that are there, you know, your amino salicylic acids, um, immunomodulators, things like that, right? Um, try and stay away from things like that are the neurofins and those because they actually upset um, the gut and upset that. But there's, there's a lot of different things, but a doctor has to actually prescribe for you. Yes. And then you have to follow a special diet and you definitely need, a, so it's a special diet and a supplementation. And with IBD, and this is important for people to know, you need help to get it right. It's really hard and you're living like with this condition, you are really unwell. So if you get help and you can do the diet, etc., you will always have flare ups. So there'll be times, you know, mm. like a month you might might be OK, but then you'll get the flare up and you really have to know how to. And are there particular foods that cause the flare ups? Oh, I mean, yeah, totally. It... Like so your fruit, fruit triggers. And this again, I suppose it's different to say like a lot of the other stuff that I do. So like insoluble fibre doesn't really work because you, do, you, you the digestion piece isn't there and you can't absorb the water from the you can't absorb the water into the food and you need the water in the food to move it on, if that makes sense. So mm. Soluble fibre, like, is like things like whole wheat, nuts, beans, things that don't, even cauliflower, potatoes that really won't soak that water yes. are very hard with IBD. There's certain, um, dairy is definitely one. And like these ones pop up all the time, don't they? Dairy, spicy foods, you're processed all the time. But you've nuts and seeds and things like that that I talk about that are really good mm. within the body don't work with IBD. And then you've other things like alcohol. It's kind of a no-no because um, that's going to, go, going to affect and anything that's high fat. So you're kind of limited 
and, and you really have to get it right. So like I work with people that are younger with, with um, IBD and it's really hard to get their diet right. Mm. And if they have a flare up, they're really unwell, you know. Mm. So IBD is a serious enough illness and the difference between IBD and IBS. So that's and people ask me that so they can yeah. say I, IBD, no, I have IBS. Oh, uh, and they're not quite sure. If you have IBD, you know you have it. But if mm. you have IBS, you don't really know. So, OK, the, um, IBD is classified as a disease. But IBS is classified as a syndrome. Oh. So there's a big difference, okay, or a group of, of, of symptoms, right? IBD is literally, it can cause destructive inflammation and permanent harm to the intestines, okay? The disease can be seen during diagnostic imaging, whereas with IBS, it doesn't cause inflammation. It rarely requires hospitalisation or surgery. And there's no sign of the disease or abnormality during any, any exam. And I suppose mm. I get this a lot. Um, and that's the problem, I guess, that, is well, it? That's what I get a lot in clinic because mm. people say to me, I, I'm sure I have like IBD, but I've been for everything. I've been tested for everything, but nothing has shown up. That's your IBS piece. Mm. You know, and it's really important to know, like, say with somebody with IBD, there's increased risk for colon cancer, but there isn't on the IBS side. So IBS, it's a functional gastrointestinal disorder, but it means there's some sort of disturbance in the bowel function. But it's not like your IBD. The bowel Mm. function is disturbed, but there's things that we can do. And how do we figure out, like, it's symptoms and elimination, Fran. So it's literally sitting down with somebody like me to figure out, mm. like, where is this? And what, talk to us about the symptoms. I mean, if you have IBD, how how will you behave? I mean, what are the symptoms? Well, you straight away after eating a large meal, you'll know. So, like, you, the bloatedness will be there straight away. If you're under stress even and you haven't even had a large meal, you'll actually feel it straight away. Like, you'll feel like you need to go to the loo, like, mm. like the nervous piece. And when you go to the loo, you'll actually feel a little bit better. But it's all the symptoms, again, of, like, intolerance issues. So you're talking about constipation, diarrhoea, uh, persistent abdominal pain, um, you might have a bloody stool, mucus in the stool, gassiness, uh, the bloating piece is there. The sensation of feeling full, even though you haven't even eaten a lot, that's there. Um, um, swelling, uh, and then the urge is supposed to go to the loo even when you don't don't need to go to the loo. That's there a lot, and that's one of the ones I think that really affects people. But I get, I know the, the stats are there to say it's one in five. I think it's actually more than one in five, to be honest with you, with IBS. I get a lot of people that come through me all the time with IBS, you know. Right, and they can have... Some or all of those symptoms? Some or all of them, yeah. But you know what? Most of the time people have most of them. Okay. You know, like when you actually ask, and there can be even more as in, and and these ones aren't even, if you went to look it up and stuff, you wouldn't see other ones. Like you wouldn't see ones like headache, um, the inflammation in the body, like, you know, muscle pain and Mm. things like that, Mm. and giant pain. And you don't get the other ones, whereas I see them. But you see, IBS is like, um, it's a gut, there's a disturbance between the gut and the brain. And the gut-brain syndrome is there. Like we talk about the the, the synergies between it all the time because... Mm. To me, the gut is your first is your is your is your first um, brain, and then everything comes up to here. So there's definitely something malfunctioning between the two there. Okay, and I think stress manifests that massively. Yeah. So like IBS, we don't know what's what's causing it. Hmm. Uh, we know that triggers can be there, like foods, hormonal uh, medications, most certainly like um, you know the neurofins and things like that. Um, but it's really hard, yeah, to decipher where where it's coming from. It's very interesting. So in terms of doing something about that? There's no one size fits all with IBS. It's different. So you have to put a proper treatment plan in place with IBD. But with IBS, it's um, I would use two words, elimination and education. They're the two. So you would literally have to sit down with somebody. You would have to do a food journal. You would have to journal every single thing that you're eating and drinking. We do the elimination. So people would have then like, say, a good list, a bad list and a kind of an in-between list Mm. of things that move over and back. Uh, With IBS, it's nearly like a work in progress for life. 
because you're not like hugely intolerant to things, it's just things that are aggravating and they're aggravating at different times and different, I suppose, times in your life when, mm. when it comes to stress and that. Yeah, you have to do the education piece to say to somebody, listen, this is for life. Um, dairy is there now, but, you know, or sorry, dairy is taken out now. Maybe we can add it back in on some smaller level when we actually heal what's happening. But uh, mm. it might never again come back in. How soon would somebody see a difference? Oh, I actually think... And again, I'm talking about IBD, obviously, you know, in terms of changing the diet and... Uh... Well, I suppose IBD is long-term. With the IBS, if you want to see a difference, you'd probably it probably takes about, I would think, six to eight weeks, really. Mm. And, you know, when somebody's doing something like this with me, uh, if it was weight loss or whatever, I'd say to somebody, we can do it 70-30. So if you get it right 70% of the time, the 30% you can have your wine mm. and you can do. When you're trying to clean up somebody's gut, I always liken it to, for all the world, and you can see my hand here, it's nearly like an open wound. And like if you have areas that are like really sore and raw and all of that piece, uh, you've got to get the help the wound to close. Mm. So if you're putting in wrong triggers, it's nearly like putting salt into an open wound on your hand for all the world. Well, the wound is never going to heal. No, you're never, so it's never going to scab you're over. You're constantly aggravating constantly it. Aggravating it. Yeah. So that has to actually close. So for that to close, you have to remove just about all the triggers mm. to get to where you need to be. And if you can do that, then your body's going to become well very fast. And most of the time with people, if, if we diagnose IBS or whatever, they don't go back on any of the foods because the minute they go back on them and they feel so unwell, it's gone straight away. Like I had a lady in yesterday and she said to me, Muriel, it took us so long to get to the bottom of, you know, what was causing yeah. all the issues or whatever. And her one was chronic tiredness that literally... Um, and she had two things. Gluten and dairy were two of her biggest triggers. But if she had anything at all with gluten, she was asleep. Literally within 10, 15 minutes. I have a 16-year-old um, that comes into me that falls asleep after gluten. Now, she could be heading off to play a match and you'd find her asleep in the back of the car on the way because she's had something with gluten in it, right? The dairy was the other piece, but the dairy was the gas piece. So that was literally like the farting and the smell and all of that kind of thing. But she said, why did it take so long? Like, my doctor had to bring home my bloods because I'd been for every single test and she was good friends to her doctor and she said she literally brought him home to see was there something that she could that she was missing or some other area she could send her on whatever. And it was literally her body was breaking down because of what was going in. You shouldn't have, and I've said it, I said it in the social media piece the other night, I was knackered out, tired coming home. It was eight o'clock, it was spilling rain. I put the phone up in the dash in front of me and I just spoke, to, spoke into for people to listen. So I'd had a builder in that day and I had another lady in. These were two success stories, but they had come in so unwell. So the builder literally wasn't, hadn't the energy to lift whatever he was lifting. He was putting windowsills or whatever. He hadn't the energy to do that. He couldn't drive to and from work. Uh, the tiredness piece was there. And he always had lower back pain, but now he had pain everywhere. And he couldn't explain where the pain was coming from. And the other thing was, the lads were telling him things. So the lads at work could say, I left that there, or done whatever. He, he owned, he had five or six lads working with him. They'd say something to him and within 10 minutes it was gone. So when he came into me, he said... I have no idea. He said, I feel like I'm going cracked. He was 60. He said, I have to work, but I just don't know what to do. And I've had everything done. There's nothing showing up. So we worked with him and it was all gut related, Fran. Like he was in the other day. He's now two stone lighter. But every single symptom is gone. I mean, every single symptom. And I, I said to him, listen, I said, I'm going to read out everything that you had. You know, tell mm. me how many and the percentages or whatever of the notes we made in the first session. And he said, Muriel, they're gone. That's gone. There was only one thing really left. And this is one that he's working on because he didn't do it in the beginning. When he's walking. So he walks every evening now with a friend or whatever. And I said, you need to be slightly out of breath when you're mm. walking. Like we're pushing the next piece now. And he said, ah, Jesus, I was completely out of breath. But he said, this fellow had ran up sleeping him on on Sunday. So he said he was flying. Mm. So he's pushed me into the hills. 
But he just couldn't believe it. He said, every single thing is gone. And one other lady was like that. So I went on social media to say, you shouldn't have chronic tiredness. You mm. shouldn't have the headaches. You shouldn't have the unexplained um, giant pain or swelling. The gut shouldn't swell like you're three to six months pregnant after food. You know, like you shouldn't yes. have the gas. You shouldn't have constipation, diarrhea. There shouldn't be blood in your stool. Like you shouldn't be knackered an hour after getting out of bed. Uh, you shouldn't feel like you're anxious, depressed or stressed. Yes, we have the financial worries and we have like the emotional piece or whatever, mm. but it shouldn't be there all the time. There should be... Um, times within your day that yes that piece is there but you're able to be well aside from that if that makes sense or whatever. That's very very interesting isn't it and so many people as you say but but we do accept you see a level of discomfort or a level of pain. We, we think it's the norm. You, you see you let the body break down until the body is in such a state that you can't do anymore. Yes. And then you get so worried that it's something like cancer or it's something mm. whatever and, and you know when you get to that stage it's nearly, it's not never too late. Yes, you can start working on it. But the people that come in to work on it and feel, say like that man, I feel they're very lucky that they picked up the phone mm. to do that piece because if they don't pick up the phone to do that piece, you're gone on then to the next piece of the chronic illness. Mm. So like if you have something like, say if you have high level of visceral fat and your blood pressure is high and you feel unwell and whatever, like your the cure score for cardiac is massive. So like your risk of stroke, your risk of heart attack, your risk of all of those things like are to the fore mm. massively. And where IBS and IBD are concerned, does taking medication play any part in that? Because it's a discussion I had lately with somebody who was on quite a bit of medication and in terms of inflammation that the medication has caused it as well. Now it's helping the yeah. other issues. Yeah. But is that something you can Well, I think with IBD, no. Put that to one side because you need the meds, you need whatever and it's genetic and it yes. can be like, and we don't know where that's coming from. So yes, things like um, your neurofins and things like that will aggravate the gut or whatever. Mm. So try and stay away from them when you, when you have it. But with IBS, certain medications can definitely aggravate or cause. Yeah, that's def- definitely one of the pieces that's there um, or it can trigger it, if that yes. makes sense. Yeah. Like you have to, I suppose, and this is one of the things we talk about all the time and this will like, the, the, the airways can like light up when you talk about things like this, but like statins can cause other issues. So like if you need a statin for cholesterol, you need it and it brings it down. But for my view on it would be try and do the preventative piece mm. first because mm. you can bring it down through lifestyle med- modifications a lot of the time. Now some of it is genetic mm. and if, if it's genetic and you can't get it down, that's absolutely fine but if you are taking a statin like you need to know the other side of like you need coenzyme Q10 you know which is like to balance up the effect it's it's, it's the muscle in the heart there's muscles like the body is muscles but the heart is also a muscle so a statin depletes your coenzyme Q10 which is what is needed for your heart muscle to keep it strong and healthy you know Mm. so there's far and against everything you know my take like on the Nexiums and all of them Mm. like they just mask the fire that's going on within the gut so like if the fire is still there and somebody offers you a Nexium be aware, it's only masking. Your body is still breaking down underneath. Like the, with the, both of these illnesses I've spoken about here, the malabsorption piece is massive. Okay, so like no matter what you're eating, if we don't sort this piece out, you're not going to get that from your food. So if you're not getting that from your food, your body is going to become unwell, you know. So like all of that has to come together. Then if you put meds in and your gut is unwell already, Mm. well, like, yeah, they're going to like ruin the lining of the gut. They're going to affect the liver. So like you've all that piece. So the biggest thing, I suppose, or the take home message is try and become as well as you possibly can Mm. by just doing things right. Right. And is it your experience that most people can get to feel uh, 100%, 100% if somebody comes in and I say it like all the time and buys into it 
you do become well. And like the calls I've had, the phone hasn't stopped. I mean, hasn't stopped this week, literally, with people ringing. And a lot of the calls of people that are ringing me are literally people that have come through, even in the last six to nine months, to say to me, uh, Muriel, um, I've got, I've gone back a little or I'm feeling a little unwell again. Mm. Can I come back in? Because they don't want to go back down the road of where they were. So they, they have to keep... Now, it's a continuous work in progress. But yes, you can become well. But your Fran, to be well or healthy is a continuous work in progress. Of course it is. Like, of course it is. If people want to talk to you, yeah. uh, how can they do that? Yeah, can I just say, we didn't speak about celiac and a lot of people... Um, uh, celiac mm. is another one. So we'll do that next yeah, week, OK? Yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, OK, so if they want to talk to me, it's 52 or www.marito8020.com. All right, great to see you as always, Muriel. Thanks very much indeed. We'll take a break. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 